This episode of The Loop is brought to you by G4. Did you hear? Golf footwear innovator G4 just dropped their latest, the Gallivant Tour. Pronounced Gallivant Tour, it's made to seriously upgrade your golf game. Combining two of G4's best-selling designs, the Gallivant Tour brings together two shoes we all know and love, the stylish Gallivanter and the ultra-comfortable MG4 Plus, making for a dreamy waterproof golf shoe. The unique cleat system, named G-Pod, provides increased traction and torque in the signature G4 pops of color. And with 13 points of contact with the ground, weight is evenly dispersed for unparalleled stability on the course. Coming in a variety of styles, there's one for every golfer out there. Most of us got the camo version, while Steven got the version with contrasting tuxedo stripes. Whether you're looking for pops of color, camouflage soles, or a touch of tradition with long wing brogues, there's a Gallivant Tour for you. Head to g4.com, that's G-F-O-R-E.com to check them out. Aaron's awesome. It's funny to be out with him in that environment, right? Like, um, you have a lot of people chirping at him and stuff, and I, everybody wants to be famous until you're famous. Welcome back to The Loop, presented by G4. I'm Alex Myers. As always, I'm joined by Steve Hennessy, Christopher Powers. Uh, we got a, a interesting episode coming up today. We got to break down these guys' trips. Got my surgery breakdown. Uh, we got Bo Hostler joining us. Bo was quite good, Steve. Uh, he, he, he could be like a future analyst on TV. Just felt Really, like really smart kid. Yeah. 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 No. All, all I knew that, you know, he, he's a good player and like he hangs out with the Bob does sports guys who you guys talked to last time. It's like right. you know, probably a little bro like whatever, but he's as intelligent about some of these topics in golf as, you know, I could recall hearing somebody. So, yeah, that, that was enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, he was breaking down, you know, like the different grasses and architecture and then obviously the stuff at the end about the the, the tour pros and the cuts versus the non-cut events. I mean, he was it was good. He, he just was very like, he, he really reasoned everything well. So yep. uh, please stick around and listen to that. Um, let's start with your guys' trips. I mean, CP, obviously a pretty wild uh, week at Riviera with Tiger WDing and Spieth getting DQ'd and then Matsuyama with going on just a heater on Sunday. Um, tell us about the week. What, what was it like being there, checking that out? Yeah, a lot of fun. I I've said this. I said this last year. I've only been there twice, but it's it's easily the best tour event to go to in person. I I would highly encourage uh, fans, other media, if you haven't been, I would go. It's it's so much fun. I I did. We saw our boy Keith Stewart last night at the airport. Mm. Um, I didn't think about this, but he made a good point. I don't know how they're going to host a U.S. Open or aren't they hosting the Olympics too? Yes, both. I, I just don't know where they're going to put everybody. I mean, it, this is a pretty scarcely attended event, uh, in fairness. Um, even with Tiger there, like most people, I feel like don't even know what's happening. I saw someone like I was walking down the street into the main entrance of where the fans go in. And some guy who lived in the neighborhood, like stopped by a security guard and was like, what's going on today? Like no clue. It's down the street from his house. So uh, but still, there's going to be a lot of people for a U.S. Open. I don't know where they're going to put a merch tent, right. where everyone's going to park. It's going to be an absolute scene. 
Um, but if you can get to just the regular Genesis Invitational, I would do it. It's fun. It's um, it's not too packed. You can see all the holes. It's it's so tight, tightly, uh, you know, kind of congested Riviera while still being a, a huge PGA Tour golf course. Uh, you can see a ton of golfers, a lot of the holes. So much fun. But yeah, wild week. I mean, Thursday, you're sitting there and it's like, man, this, this is feeling like a, a snooze here, even with Tiger you know, shooting two over and then Friday happens and, and there's an ambulance there and you're waiting outside the locker room. I was waiting outside the locker room for three hours with like 12 other reporters just wow waiting for Tiger Woods to come out, stalking Tiger Woods and, and waiting for him to come out. He never came into the ambulance, which would have been the, the video of all videos if right. gotten that. Uh, it just turned out to be him coming out of the locker room. And then Jordan Spieth, like 10 minutes later, is out of the tournament so you know thursday is one of those days you're at work like well, i flew to los angeles for this like <laughs> wasting all... and then friday happens and you're like jesus yeah. christ this was a wild day yeah uh, it was like two yeah minutes. sunday sunday was it i know people thought it was a little boring saturday was very boring it was very much like holy shit this is this is the signature event uh the signature event on the pga tour so far this year and like Patrick Cantlay and, and Xander Shoffley, who, you know, we do love Xander, but those two are not the most exciting personalities um, yeah. on the PGA Tour or sports in general. Um, and then Hideki, uh, you know, historic kind of performance final day. So ended up being, I think, a pretty good week for the PGA Tour when it looked pretty bleak uh, on Saturday evening. To be clear, the ambulance, I mean, uh, it showed up. <laughs> In conjunction with Tiger, I mean, right? It was called for Tiger. We, we, we well, what from what we understand, it was there was an on-site doctor at Riviera who had heard he um, was really dehydrated and thought, okay, he needs an IV. And the only way there was no IV on the property, so he got a little nervous, and and the doctor gotcha. called the ambulance, but. And then there was two power paramedic truck as Dan Rapport called it, which oh. became an inside joke on Twitter, which good for Dan because numbies on numbies. Even when you grew up, you, you get the numbies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was funny. Paramedic truck. We, we kind of gave him some shit in person. Uh, okay. And yeah, but the two fire trucks too, it was like, what the hell is going on? We, for the first like 20 minutes, we were like, oh, there must be a fan. Somebody got too drunk, um, right. which is not not like Riviera the fans are right super chill and very Cali and they're not really I mean they're drinking but they're not it's not the waste management so we didn't really know what was going on but uh but yeah it was for Tiger Tiger never needed it he ended up being fine he he was legitimately sick and so were so was Jordan Spieth and and then we heard Patrick Canley too maybe on on Sunday yeah I mean I would explain do you think it's the same thing as Spieth and Xander or Xander explained about speed, but like, um, we're, we're I'm not, guessing. I'm not going to say, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what I heard. Not on this podcast though. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. a little off the record. Because I saw Danny say on Twitter, like, you know, I wonder if he adds the cognizant, which is the old Honda, like before the players I'm watching it, you know, total outside perspective, um, as it's all going down, like, Oh God! I hope he's playing the Masters. But yeah, everything you hear, CP, it was it was truly... actually was truly sick. And yeah. yeah, I don't. 
Well, I mean, obviously he didn't look great playing. I mean, he's, you know, he can still make a bunch of birdies. It's amazing. And, and yeah. even the front nine on Thursday, I, he kind of tailed up. The shank was Dan and I were, were like 10 feet from the shank. That's was, incredible. I said, it was like walking in on your parents, the way I, I felt. Um, <laughs> but the front nine, like the, I was like, he's the iron. She's laser beams. He's Black like, lasers. ball striking yeah. is incredible. It's like, he, you know, it's just based off of his, his feels. And then, you know, yeah. he gets a little tired on the back nine and he presents Hazel first. We were dying when he said that. Awesome. Yeah, that was a full shank. Full like the clankiest yeah. shank. I was doing that like last summer, two summers say, ago. As someone Clanky. who's familiar oh with that, Emma then make a sick made a sick bogey. Uh, but yeah, and then Friday, you know, I I didn't really see too much of his first six holes. It looks like he was even par or whatever. I think. Um, so I yeah, I think I think we'll see him. At the Masters, I think he was legitimately sick, and I think the Jordan Spieth thing and the Patrick Hanley thing kind of, yeah, this case. I, I, it's kind of to me, it's kind of crazy that um, he because he he kind of like you said he walked out and he looked okay like getting in the car and leaving, and then he doesn't come back like he, he wasn't there on Sunday right. to do the trophy presentation. Like to me, it's like okay, I guess he really was sick, but man, what are the odds that this guy who's always getting hurt? then is finally not hurt and now he gets sick it's just like there's so much drama around him all the <laughs> oh, time it's it's yeah. crazy so it's unfortunate but you're right the fact that there was speed xander talking about the emergency bathroom trip that may have led been you know contributed to the signing a correct scorecard rumblings about cantley not feeling good which at least would explain just an embarrassing final round i guess it wouldn't be embarrassing if he's actually sick but like you have Xander and Patrick Canley playing in what has to be the most comfortable pairing of all time. Ooh. Two California bros, besties. You know, you would think that that would help them. They ne- These guys haven't won in a combined, I think I looked up, 37 months, even though they're top five in the world or top seven in the world. I saw some ranking that had Xander as the number two ranked player in the world, statistically. I'm like... I'm sorry. I love the guy, but give me a break. You got to win every once in a while. So they're in this perfect pairing. And by the back nine, they weren't even factors in the tournament. I mean, that's that's crazy to me. So uh, Cantley may have it. He's at the, what was the hole out eagle? It was like, all right. I mean, I'm sorry, Xander. Um, yeah, Xander went birdie, pull out still eagle. Didn't come, and still didn't come close. No, yeah. still didn't come close because then he went bogey, bogey on the next yeah. two holes. Um, the craziest stretch obviously was Hideki, the back-to-back tap-ins and both shots. He was not like pleased on, or at least like kind of giving it like a lean literally to tap. One had it eight inches. One had it six inches. They were both like three inches. I mean, he, he, he had back-to-back shots for a total of six inches on two pretty hard holes. Like that's sick stuff, right? In a 10 minute span to have two happens when you're trying to win one of the biggest tournaments on tour he's a stud I'm, I'm amazed it's been two years i know he said he after he's had like this neck injury or whatever he clarified it wasn't his back it's neck obviously something was up with him because for him to go two years without winning and then to shoot 62 on sunday review this is a guy who shot a 61 at firestone a few years ago to win a wgc obviously he's won the masters um he uh, he it's crazy i know we all took him at some point this year when he was 
60 to one, 70 to one, you're like, oh, it's a decade. And now, of course, he's going to be back in the 20 to one range. And 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 we missed it. Did you? You No, we didn't miss it, CP. You hit it hot, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I actually had, believe it or not, I had a good week uh, going, at least, uh, you know, on Saturday evening. Um, had Harris English. That was a secret bet. 95 to one. So I was Ooh. really excited about that one. Yeah. Um, he looks great. Him, he does. I pivoted to Ludwig off of Cantlay, so I was kind of having nightmares Saturday night. Um, but thankfully, that thank God I didn't because that would have been if if you had Patrick Cantlay, I would not be not be happy today. Uh, who else did I have? I bet will top ten Zal Torres because uh, I loved you know a lot of the takes last week. Andy was all yeah. over him. A couple other sharp guys were on him, but I wasn't prepared for the outright. So top ten him. And then who else did I have that was that was kind of oh no not Keegan Keegan missed the cut uh, oh Jason Day I did bet Jason Day so I was kind of looking good and then I figured why not just take the guy with the craziest odds Sunday just in case and that was Hideki on my uh, my local which was nice funny enough though I went out for the last few holes um, to try and I ended up uh, betting Zalatoris live too again just to have something on him and and. Uh, so I went out to follow Zalatoris on 14 um, while Hideki was in the group ahead just throwing laser beams. And Zalatoris instantly hit one of the worst iron shots he's ever hit on the 14th <laughs> hole. Got up and down, but yeah. Oh, that was a great up and down. Within yeah. 10 minutes, it was like, he has it's over. Like Hideki won it. And I didn't, you know, I could have gone and watched Hideki, but I watched Zalatoris instead, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah he just kept making birdies. The live yeah. odds on Hideki after 15 were like, yeah, probably even better. It's like insane. It's like they, they knew it was over too. They knew it was over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a dagger. I know you were on Zal Torres uh, live, Myers. I was on him yeah. tournament at the 70 to one. And um, it looked like it was his. I mean, he takes yeah. solo lead. I think it was like the 12th or 13th hole. And then doesn't even have a chance the last four. I mean, it was yep. wild, uh, wild sequence there, but. Good stuff, CP. I'm glad I'm glad you're back in the winner's circle. Yeah, big, big wow. win. Unexpected, but big win. Yeah, and Zalatoris, I, I bet him live just because he's another guy I've bet on earlier this year. Yeah. And then now he's now I'm like, shit, he's gonna win and I'm not on him. So I gotta get like a piece of him. And then um my big thing though, I didn't want Cantley to win because I would have I would have lost in my I have of course I had Xander in this weekly pick him, and it's up to like 50 bucks a man, but I had uh uh, someone had Cantley, obviously, so I was rooting against him all week. And then I was like, "Oh wow! Not only could he might lose, but Xander might win." And of course, Xander let me down as he always does. But um, yeah, interesting week. Uh, it's great to see Willie Z back. And yep. I know we had other, you know, something off a tragedy happened in his family too, so he was playing with a heavy heart. But he uh, he looks great, and I, I saw he was fifteenth in in putting. Which, I mean, if you're going to get 15th and putting from him, because yeah. you know the yep. iron play and the driving is going to be there, um, and some some sneaky good up and downs as well. So I'm feeling a lot better about that off-season bet I made on him to win a major this year. I think it's uh, mm. 12, 12 to 1 to win a major. That's, that's probably what the odds should be still. Yeah. it's not. But but I don't know. After, after a runner-up for Riviera, he looks pretty good. So excited about that. Um, Steve, tell us about your trip, man. How did how did it turn out? That was good. Um, yeah, I'm I'm paying for it at home, extending the trip by a day. But anyone who listened last week, uh, you had to. Yeah, 
I would have missed my flight on Tuesday. So, um, you know, it was a good move in terms of getting the golf in. Perhaps not a good move for the long-term health of my relationship, but you know, we persevere. Um, (laughs) and it it was a, it was a great trip. Um, you know, anyone who's played golf in Myrtle knows it's not like the best golf. Um, it's just like a lot of very good golf. So, you know, I was reminded of that Myrtle. It serves its purpose as, you know, great spot with the buddies, um, you know, some, some more decent food than I'd remembered. Um, probably any other time I've been, I've just gone to Hooters, but yeah. um, like every nothing night. Wrong. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, Hoots. Um, but we found a couple of good restaurants too. Um, yeah. And, you know, stayed out of trouble enough. And uh, yeah, and ca- got back to Caledonia, which, you know, is our favorite course, Meyer. So that yeah. was as good as I remembered 20 years ago. So good. Um, yeah, it was great. Played pretty awful, unfortunately. Um, well, so, it's the off season. Yeah, back to the lab. I And also sneaking out early, like I didn't get to go to the chiropractor. Right. <laughs> you know, a day of training still to go. Right. Sure. So <laughs> the process was thrown off. Right. Yeah, still. Creature of habit. I am. Yeah. Certainly am. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of persevering, I got my knee here. Uh, so I had my surgery on Friday morning. First time ever surgery. And I had the weirdest thing happen where, <clears throat> so I knew going in, they're either going to be able to fix it. And then it's a really long rehab or they can't fix it and they take it out and it's not a long rehab, but then longer term, that's worse. Anyway, I wake up and I'm shivering and I'm in pain. I'm like, this is awful and i see these crutches on the wall and i'm in this huge brace and i'm like oh fuck I'm, i have this off and the nurse is like going through instructions with me and my wife oh you this is what you have to do with the brace and you're gonna have to learn how to walk on crutches and this and that and all of a sudden <laughs> you're gonna, start, say, you're gonna have to learn how to walk again <laughs> yeah no on crutches on crutches and all of a sudden the surgeon comes by and he goes he goes oh he, he doesn't need that brace he doesn't need the crutches i'm like wait, what? And they're like, yeah, we just kind of, we just, we just took it out really. I mean, we, we repaired a little of it, but nothing that can be like, like basically you're, you, you can walk out of here. I was like, okay. So it was like a total 180 in, in emotions. Now I'm still like, obviously barely able to walk. I'm limping around, but at least I'm not in this race and these crutches and everything else. So um, it was a weird experience. I started PT yesterday. I'm, I'm, I'm mm. going to be like you, Steve, getting a PT. Um, and it was good, you know, something, but, uh, we'll see. It's, it's, it's going to be a process, but hopefully not like a crazy long process now, because again, they didn't do this like full repair. It's such a weird, it, yeah. Anyway. Todd, Todd Leonard was absolutely gutted for you. When, when gutted. You were... <laughs> my, my partner, Todd Leonard. Yeah. He, he reached out. I could tell he was like, wow. yeah. Um, very sympathetic guy. Yeah, he is. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you gonna be able to do the masters, Myers? Does this affect? I think so. I there think you so. go. Nice. I was talking about that with Sam yesterday, and he wasn't even like considering that. He was just like, "Oh yeah, let's think about doing the flight soon and whatever." And in the back of my head, I'm like, oh. "But like, I, I, I think so. I mean, I think that's like the target, like four to six weeks. I'm supposed to go to San Diego with the kids for the first time to visit my parents at the end of March." And the, the doctor was like, yeah, you should be able to do that. But again, like it's different to I could go there and lay on a couch all day versus Augusta. You got to be walking around. Yes. Yeah. And if you were on crutches, that would be like, impossible. oh, I'd be like done. Yeah. 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 So that 
that probably would have would have been out if that was the case. So that's right. that's one good thing. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, it's pretty swollen and nasty, but we'll we'll get back. We'll we'll stick to the PT. Um, anyway, let's see what else we got to talk to. Let's talk to Bo Hostler. Uh, he he was again a great chat. Um, I, again, I think a future analyst potentially here, uh, really breaking stuff down, um, uh, and coming off a nice week. And it was funny, Steve, because he mentioned like how people talk way too much about the money. So I'm glad we didn't ask him any money questions. Cause I was going to ask him. I had one lined up too. the 10 million club, yeah. being in the 10 million <laughs> club without a win. He, he made 164,000 for finishing tied for 24th. Like that's crazy. That used to be like a winner's check. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, but he, he acknowledges that the money is good and everything else. And he had good perspective on that, but I'm glad we didn't like pepper him with that. Yeah. stuff. Yeah. I feel like he would be a good pack member. I don't know if he's been on the PGA tour players. Council, yeah. but seems like he's got, you know, he has both sides of it too, because now he's in these elite fields, but right. know, first, four or five years of his career, he was, you know, what you would consider like a average PGA tour player, right. uh, a lot of talent, but hadn't, you know, gotten to the level that he has now. So he's got right. some good perspective and you could tell. Yeah, exactly. He's in these events, but he's uh, advocating for more people to be in the yeah, events, which right. is kind of cool. So, um, all right. Anyway, please have a listen to our chat with Bo Hostler. Well, we are pumped now to welcome Bo Hostler onto the, the Golf Digest Loop podcast. Uh, we were just talking before we started recording. This is a rare off week for Bo, so pumped to have a few minutes to chat about the year and, and what he's got going on. So, Bo, welcome to the Loop. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. And we'll talk a little about uh, Unicor, which uh, you're representing, and um, they've brought you to us today. So pumped about that. But um, you're know, coming off a, a good finish at Riviera, top 25 in a, a signature event that, that'll definitely help pay the bills, I would imagine. So, um, you know, tell us about the week. And, and hey, you made it to the end. So, you know, I'm guessing you're not a, a big in and out guy, at least. So that was a positive. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, it's honestly, it's, in my opinion, it's the best week on tour, mm. um, top to bottom. <clears throat> Maybe I'm a little biased. I grew up in Orange County, um, just yep. an hour away. So um, it's really nice for me to have family and friends out. But um, I think almost unanimously, probably regarded as the best golf course we play on tour, Riviera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's guys that like other ones more, maybe just by personal preference or whatnot, but just purely from an architectural standpoint and the way that it plays during the tournament, it's just – it's really nice to have to use your use your brain on every shot and execute every shot. And if you don't, there's big consequences. And if you do, you, you can get rewarded. So to me, that's kind of the mark of a really good golf course. And um, every year I've played there, I mean, frankly, I haven't had a ton of success, but every year I, I love the challenge of playing there. And, um, you know, this year, frankly, it was in the best shape I've ever seen it. The greens were firm and, um, and pure, they rolled great, especially for Poana. You know how Poana can get. I think they got 14 inches of rain last week. Somehow they were still, you know, brick hard. So um, kudos to them. Uh, they put on a, a great tournament through and through with the staff and the clubhouse and the food, and it was it was world class. Uh, I got to ask because uh, you know <laughs> the fourth hole. What are your thoughts on the fourth hole? Because everybody, you like you said, everybody loves Riviera. It seems like it's the favorite course. But it seems like the last couple of years, maybe the fourth hole 
Um, has gotten a little too tough. I think it was only 14% of guys hit the green this week. It was 15% last year, something like that. Anyway, what, what do you think yeah. about that? And I saw like Adam Schenk tweeted out to at Tiger, like you need to get them to to grow different grass around the green to try to get, get it back to how it's supposed to play. Um, it's funny you say that. We, I was in lunch with Harris English a couple of days ago, maybe after the third round. And, you know, he's been on tour a long time. I've been on tour, yeah. I guess this was probably my sixth or this is my seventh year, but maybe my sixth or seventh time playing the tournament. Honest to God, I, I don't know that I've ever hit that green. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like may, maybe yeah. I hit it like where it just hung on the left edge by a foot. Right. I've never had an actual birdie putt there. Wow. And he was saying the same thing. He, th he goes, I think I'm like two for 40 on hitting the green. Um, it's again, like... <clears throat> I agree with what Adam said. Um, I think that the entire golf course, the only gripe that I have with it is um, during the tournament when the greens are so firm, when you have the surrounds being Kikuya grass or at least a mix of Kikuya and rye or whatever. Mm. Um, I think it's next to impossible to get it to where the ball will bounce relatively consistently between the fringe and the, and the greens. Um, with that being said, I played Riviera a month ago when the greens were really soft and the fringe and the green was the same firmness and it was totally fine. But hmm. um, like I said, the only gripe that I have is that, um, you know, you can't bump and run on Kukuya grass. You can't uh, land even a four iron on the front fringe on hole four and expect a bounce. You might get lucky and get a bounce, but you cannot right. expect a bounce. Right. Um, so I would, I would tend to agree. I think uh, I've seen more recently um, in some, you know, renovations of golf courses or at least resurfacing where they'll go to a either Bermuda or they'll do like an overseed, um, you know, even if it's just a cutoff, maybe 15 yards short of the front edge of the green. And so like anything kind of landing, you know, remotely close to the green will will maybe have a little bit of a bounce. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I think that would be great. I just think that, you know, when the greens get so firm, and then you get these pins tucked three, four, five from the edge. Um, it's nice to have the ability to land the ball just off the green uh, and get a fairly similar, fairly similar bounce to what you'll get on the green. Right. Um, and it's not; it's certainly not a maintenance thing. Like the course is in right. unbelievable condition. I think right. it's entirely a grass type. Um, and I guess it stands out more at Riviera because I'm not sure many people realize um, from watching on TV, but there's a fair amount of greens there that are very level or if anything sloped front to back. Mm. Um, and when that's the case, I don't care if you're on the PGA tour or a guy hitting a three word or hybrid into the green, it, you, you can't land it in the middle of the green and expect it to stop. So um, to have that ability to, if you hit a proper shot and land it one, two, three, four paces short of the green and, and expect a fairly consistent bounce would be amazing. Yeah. Um, but mainly, like I said, I don't think it really affects the golf course on a day-to-day -day basis. It's almost entirely on when we play the tournament, when the greens are really firm. Because yeah. I, I just don't think you can firm up the, the front of the, of the um, you know, the front edges and the, the fringes with that grass type. Mm. It's a great explanation because, um, you know, people – like to discuss it and you know it was known as one of the best part threes in america obviously ben hogan called it as such and you know it's a redan at 
you know, this great classic golf course, you know, maybe they just need to accentuate the right side a little bit, given the, the grass type. So, um, yeah, good. Well, the challenging part too is, is unfortunately, right. Like you want to play that hole down the right side because right. it feels like it gives you the best chance to hit the green. Right. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is you have to still, you have to hit a good shot and you have to get a pretty fortunate bounce to yeah. hit the green. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is when you play it over to the right and you don't hit the green, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Because it's very severe and very firm and the likelihood of you stopping the ball um, is pretty low. So I actually have adopted the strategy of just like going at the pin, accepting that I'm not going to hit the green and and knowing that actually Mm. missing to the left gives you the best chance to make par. Um, which is not how the whole is designed. Yeah, to correct. Be played that's kind of what I'm so, getting at. If you, yeah. if you knew that if you landed short right and you could likely get a decent bounce, um, guys would hit it out to the right and it would roll up on the green and it would be fantastic. Yeah. And it's also, don't forget, I mean, we're playing that hole at 225 to 240 yards. Correct. Like You're not hitting an eight iron. We're hitting, <laughs> there's a lot of guys hitting woods there, literally, right? right. Like I'm hitting... I'm hitting four iron or hybrid because, you know, you, you play that hole generally into a southwest wind and it's 230 yards into the wind. I mean, mm. it, it, you know, you could probably get away with that green if you were hitting a, a shorter mid iron. But at that length, I just I don't think you can stop it. I mean, I've seen so many good shots hit three yards onto the green and just don't even think about stopping. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the fact that we're talking about strategy and classic golf course and the fact you you love that is is one of the cooler things that we enjoy about tournament golf and you mentioned how much you enjoy that week as a tough test would you like to see more courses like that on tour because you know a majority of the schedule call it is typically sort of like a birdie fest john deere type would you like to see a few more of these classic courses host tour events i would i would love that i mean um I think that's part of why, like, I just played five in a row. Yeah. But, like, I feel like I'll just never skip a tournament on the West Coast because, in my opinion, it's it's the best best golf courses we play all year. Um, mm. And not that I necessarily um, – they're a grind, right? Like, Torrey Pines is a grind. And, and I don't – I can't honestly tell you that I think Torrey Pines is the greatest golf course in the world, but it's – a challenge it's really difficult and i think what it does is it just makes you make decisions and makes you execute golf shots and it separates guys that are playing well and guys that are not if if you aren't playing well you get exposed i played riviera yesterday i hit it awful and i got exposed because Mm -hmm. you just cannot play the golf course hitting it that way versus there's a lot of tournaments to what you just said a second ago where the way that I played yesterday, I could get away with murder and just hit it all over the place, miss greens with short irons and, and figure it out, right? And so, yeah, I agree. I think I would absolutely prefer to play more challenging golf courses on a week-in and week-out basis just because I think, you know, the, the, the goal of competition is to identify who's playing the best. And the fact is, is Hideki shooting nine under yesterday is just out of this world good. Like you, <laughs> you saw this, you, you saw the separation, right? Like that's yeah. just that proves the point. Versus if we were playing, uh, let's just say the Amex out in Palm Springs, right? Like a guy could easily not played nearly as well as he did and shot maybe seven or eight under par. Right. Um, but when you execute that level of golf shot, and especially for me having played the course and knowing what was required 
to like see the highlights after the round. I'm like, that is just, it's unbelievable because you can't really always tell on TV how the course is playing, but mm-hmm. some of those pins that he was hitting it close to were like, you don't even, you don't even hit at the pin at all. He was hitting at the tap end. So, um, yeah, like you said, I think, you know, we play however many tournaments, 40 something tournaments on tour and it feels like there's only, you know, throw the majors out. Like there's only a handful of times that we play where it's like, wow, you really got to like buckle down. You really have to think. And I think that's why you see in the major championships, like that's just standard for a major, right? It's like, it's going to be set up that way. And that's why generally speaking, like the cream rises to the top, the guys that know how to execute high level golf shots and know which way they're going to miss and be able to plan for a shot in front of where they are. Um, generally just kind of find a way into the top 10 in the majors because it's just, you can't fake it and you can't, you can't get away with not using your, your brain and your strategy. And, and, you know, there's a resilience factor to playing 72 holes where you have to be turned on mentally for the whole time. And I think that's a, it's a great thing. And I, I I wish that we had more of it. You mentioned watching some highlights after the tournament. How, how often do you do that? And how aware because I know obviously you were out there for much of Hideki's round, but how aware were you that he was having such an incredible round? Do, do you do you notice that when someone else is going is on a heater like that? And 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 then yeah, t- take me through like watching the highlights after. Why why do you do that? Is that just something that you like to do? Um, no, I was totally unaware. I don't I don't okay. really pay attention. Um, obviously, particularly yesterday because I was really I just really had a tough day. Um, but no, I think I was just eating lunch after the round and the coverage was on. I was just watching the end and they were just showing some of the shots that he was hitting. And I'm like, I literally just played that hole an hour ago and there's just no way you could hit it to that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, um, like JT Poston made a really nice birdie on the last hole and his caddy was walking through the dining and he was like, that was one of the most unbelievable rounds I've ever seen. Hmm. And so that type stuff right like you see it i mean you see it on like a strokes gain i think he literally gained like almost nine shots or something i mean right that's just out of control and i think i know i played with adam hadwin he played an unbelievable Mm. round and i think he shot maybe five or six under so right um, that just tells you right like i was playing with adam and i was literally looking at his round all day and i'm like i don't think he left one stroke out there which is really rare right like even when you shoot a low score usually you look back and you're like oh two or three times today could have you know saved one there or whatever like adam played nearly a flawless round of golf mm-hmm. and hideki still i think shot maybe two or three shots lower than him wow. so that just tells you well the week before uh riv was uh scottsdale you, you've played there you, you, mm-hmm. you've been on tour you know, seven seven years you, you played there every year i think um mm-hmm. that that got a lot of attention obviously the 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 debauchery that that's what makes the tournament um you know people have fun with it but curious your your thoughts because you know you just see more of this now on social media that people you know going down in the mud and and all the all the people you know yelling at zach johnson and stuff what do you make yeah. of the tournament and do you think something like needs to happen was was it that big of a difference from the last couple of years um i've played it i, I think this is probably my seventh year, sixth yeah. year playing the tournament. Um, you know, when you go there, that it's going to be, you're going to have kind of mayhem between like 15 fairway green and 17 green, maybe. Yeah. 
but like you know you're gonna get 45 minutes of craziness every day and everybody knows that and it's cool but this year i've i've never experienced it the way that it was um and don't get me wrong thursday friday were fine sunday was fine but saturday was like yeah you know and the thunderbirds like i living in scottsdale now i know like what goes into this and they like this is their baby right like they they do not half-ass it in any way they don't they want the players to have an incredible experience and i think they're aware that this year was over the top on for whatever the circumstances happen to be it the fact is right it's like we're there to play a golf tournament and saturday is a big day in a golf tournament and to have uh Again, the stuff going on on the side is fine. Um, I, I can't say it's the greatest look maybe for golf with guys doing mudslides down the, the, the hills, but <laughs> I just mean like as far as from a player perspective, like that stuff doesn't bother you. But when you're just – when you're getting heckled on the third hole in the third round and mm-hmm. you're like, this is this is a little much. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't any – like it was – everybody i'm not singling anyone out as far as getting it more or less than anyone i just think at the end of the day right like you're totally cool you know what you're getting into for 16 17 um but when that's happening early in the front nine on a saturday uh you just you kind of wonder how that how you get to that point and i'm sure that thunderbirds are aware of it um and i'm sure that they'll likely not have it happen again, I, I hope. Because I think, you know, we all love the tournament. It's an amazing tournament. It's one of the best ones we play all year, um, top to bottom. The golf course is good. No one really talks about the golf course. I enjoy it. I think it's a good yeah. golf course. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I want to go there and be excited about it. And I know all the players do. And I think the Thunderbirds and everyone involved in putting that tournament on know that, you know, they got to get it under control just a little bit on 16, 17. I had never had an issue ever before this year so it might have just been a perfect storm of kind of the weather that happened and then not as many people going early in the week because of the weather and so everybody went on saturday and um you know it was unfortunate uh it was a little over the top it was at times as a as a player a little bit frustrating just from the fact that you know this is what we do like for a living right like this is at some level work for us and you're grinding you're trying to compete and uh you just want the environment to reflect that. And I, I think this year it got a little overdone. Well, obviously, like you said, it's crazy. Your seventh year or whatever. Um, you're coming off your best season, I would say, right? I I, I think you would agree. What yeah. What is it that's kind of taken a few years to, to get even more comfortable out here? And you're off to another great start this year, making all five mm-hmm. cuts, uh, already a top 10. What What is it that now has you feeling uh, it seems more comfortable out there on tour? I don't think it's a comfort thing, honestly. I'm, okay. I'm always comfortable competing. It's It's been an enti- entirely a swing thing uh, for okay. me. And so, um, you know, three years ago, I was in a really bad place with my swing, like to the point where I I couldn't hit a green with a wedge, couldn't, couldn't hit a green with a shorter mid-iron. Like it was just, hmm. you know, I think I finished top five in putting and lost my card if that re- reflects anything. So um, it was it was a really challenging time. Um and I've kind of had to dig my dig my way out of that, but I think um, kind of middle of last year, um, kind of some light bulbs went off for me on a from a technical perspective on the golf swing, um, and frankly, I've just hit my irons and wedges significantly better. Um, not that they're kind of where I want them, but <clears throat> like this week, 
really the, the last two rounds at uh, waste management. And then this week, I didn't hit it my best. It's kind of end of a five-week stretch. I haven't had much time to practice, just kind of didn't have it. But the first three weeks, I hit it pretty nice. And mm-hmm. uh, tell you what, hitting greens and regulation and having birdie looks makes golf a lot easier. So <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of been the difference. I, I've just I've hit it a lot better. You know, normally I have pretty good driver of the ball. My chipping and putting are at times very, very good. Yeah. And uh, kind of everything is glued together for me on my performance by my approach play. So that's kind of the difference. Um, like I said, I feel like I just have a little bit more understanding and um, commitment to what I'm doing. It's been consistent for about eight months now on exactly what I'm working on and just trying to make sure that I'm, I'm sticking to that. And it's made a big, big difference. And um, even just like the way that I feel on the course, knowing that I can go and, and execute good shots from inside you know 200 yards is is a huge deal and um i think you're seeing it you know i haven't really had the highest finishes that i've wanted but the consistency has been significantly better um just on a week in and week out basis um and i'm just hoping to you know keep improving and, and hopefully that can just gets consistently better yeah i mean that, that checks out nine top 25s since august uh you know that that's as consistent as it gets with, with some good top tens in there. Um, a, another, one of those consistent finishes was Pebble beach a couple of weeks ago. You were, uh, you're paired with Aaron Rodgers, which pretty cool. Um, what, what was it like playing with him? Um, you, you have a good time out there with him, And I mean, obviously he's gotten a lot of flack at that tournament for his handicap, but, uh, you know, how did he deliver out there? Aaron's awesome. I uh, just met him that week and we had an awesome time. Um, I've kept in touch since he's, he's a heck of a guy. He's, he's you know, it's, there's a few things that I look, look for and good friends and he's kind of got them all as an authentic guy. He is who he is. Um, you know, he's friendly obviously, but he's, I think he, he doesn't try to be anyone that he's not. And um, I appreciate that from people of all walks of life. Right. And so, uh, it's nice to have someone that really cares. Like he's, he feels like he's just a really solid guy. If you're in his life, like he's, he's solid. And, um, it's funny to be out with him in that environment. Right. Like, um, you have a lot of people chirping at him and stuff. And I can just tell like, he's, he's the type of guy where like the fame and all that is not important to him. I I can tell if anything, it's, you know, something that he probably wishes he didn't have at some level, but, um, as you know, I, everybody wants to be famous until you're famous, right? And so he's <laughs> yeah. he's got to he's got to deal with that. But he's he's a heck of a guy. We really enjoyed our time. You know, he's only played a few rounds of golf in the last eight or nine months. So um, this guy can pound it, hits it really nice. Probably just needs a little more um, experience under his belt, just because he's you know he had the surgery, and then I think he'd only played like two or three rounds before the tournament. Right. But he had all kinds of good shots, and we had a great time. You know, shooting the shit and we really enjoyed each other's company and you know it's funny we got on the first tee you're talking about the strokes <laughs> and, and i get handed the scorecard and you know it has all the the dots on yeah. the holes <clears throat> and he was supposed to get 11 strokes and all there was was just white out all over the dots <laughs> like they whited out seven of the dots so he only got really? four strokes <laughs> i was like man like what an insult to not even you could have just put four dots. They put 11 and then white it out. Seven of them. It was beautiful. I, 
we were laughing so hard about it. It was just, uh, it was a really good, really good time to start for us. Awesome. Wait, how did that pairing, how did that pairing um, come about then? And and what was your reaction, I guess, when you found out you, you were going to be playing with, with one of the biggest names there? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know who makes those decisions, but it was not uh, in my, in my view, influence. So uh, I don't know Steve John, you know, is a close friend. He's the tournament director. Um, you know, I played with Lucas Nelson the last two years. That's been amazing. He wasn't there this year, and I just got a text and saw that I was playing with Aaron. I'm like, oh, great. This will be great. <laughs> he's, uh, he's oddly enough, been one of my favorite athletes for a long time. Like I said, I, I really just feel like he's a, a real guy. He's he puts a, he's very thoughtful. He puts a lot of thought into whatever he's doing, forms his own opinions, and he's, you know, I can respect that out of anyone. So, uh, yeah, we had a really, really nice time. Awesome. Yeah, it feels like in retirement, um, you know, when he has time to focus on the game, he, he's he's going to get really good. Uh, well, yeah. want to ask about uh, Unicor. Obviously, um, you're one of their brand ambassadors now. And I saw them at the PGA show this year. It, it seems like they're doing some cool stuff. And, you know, Cameron Champ, uh, Lily, he also an ambassador. So tell us a little bit what you got going on with them. Yeah, so this offseason, um, Greg's, Sabella's kind of handling a bunch of stuff for them now. I've, I've known Greg for a long time. Um, he brought over a unit to my house, and we uh, did some testing and was testing against some of the other monitors that I've used in the past. And, you know, was, the results were really good, really consistent. Um, you know, I think that <clears throat> they're trying to tap into that market in the U.S. here um, kind of at a little bit more competitive price point. Um, maybe than some of their competitors at the moment. And, you know, we all know what high-level launch monitors cost. Like, it's yeah. just for a daily – obviously, for us, it's it, it's a necessity, right? But for a daily golfer, like, that's a that's a hefty price tag to get some some data. So, obviously, the importance is on the performance. But I think, um, you know, they've had a lot of success with the simulators and indoor. And I think they're trying to branch out, you know, a little bit more into the outdoor product that we use um, on the range and on the golf course and um, to have it where, you know, ideally we can use it and set it up really quickly to get information. That's that's what's nice to be able to go outside in the environment that we're playing and get information that's useful for us. Right. So, um, you know, they've gone a long way from where they've been, you know, overseas making indoor launch monitors and now uh, making very portable launch monitors for us at hopefully a relatively competitive price for an actual consumer. Sweet. Uh, Bo, last one for me. It's kind of a, a two-part. A, this past week with Hideki winning, it kind of stopped this crazy streak. We had six consecutive 100-to-1 long shots or more long winning shot. the tour, which was kind of crazy. So, A, I wonder, does that – why that? Why do you think that's happening? And B – when you get your breakthrough finally for your win, because it's going to happen, we're you know we're kind of a gambling show. What what tournament is that going to happen at, Bo? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I can give you a long, truthful answer to your first question, or I can okay. give you a um, shorter answer. You so you choose. Uh, long, truthful. We'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, this is a topic that I think is actually very important it has nothing to do well actually it's validated by what you just said with guys calling long shots winning right but um i think like the 
you know, we're at this like inflection point right now with the golf where, you know, all you hear about is what we play for, how much money we play for and how much collectively, you know, 15 or really like seven or 10 guys now with Tiger not really playing as much or, you know, moving the needle for golf or trying to. And I think that that's important and I think they're incredibly important, but I do think that something that gets um, covered up in that mentality is the fact that I think a really big asset for the PGA tour, but really professional golf and, and golf and, you know, even amateur golf um, nowadays in 2024 is the quality of play from really anyone with a, you know, a card. I mean, frankly, even short of that, I mean, even guys playing on the corn Ferry tour or uh, high level amateurs, high level collegiate players. Like I think that that gets overlooked and I know at the moment that, you know, people will just argue and say, well, that doesn't sell to consumers. And that's okay. I'm not really talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm purely just talking about the competition, right? Like, and that's, that's where I'm a little bit bummed is that that feels like it's been lost the last mm-hmm. few years. Like we don't ever really talk about the competition. We talk about money, points tours drama right it's just it's sad it's a sad state of affairs um obviously like there's been benefits to that happening for us like we're playing for a lot of money and that's great and i've reaped the benefits of it right like i'm not complaining about that but i am saying that every player that plays professional golf at eight nine ten years old woke up not to make a ton of money but to win golf tournaments and to compete right and to make a career. And I guess my point is, is, you know, in an effort to, in an effort to take care of, um, what some people deem, you know, sponsors or consumers, we've, we've basically in a way taken the biggest tournaments, uh, and it kind of started to force out your standard tour players. Let's just say. Yep. Yep. Um, and I, I fundamentally just, I don't agree with that because I, the reason I don't agree with that is I just, I just believe in a parody, but B the ability of what people would just call your standard middle of the road tour players to do what they've done the last month and a half and to just basically discount their ability I think is a mistake. Um, it's just my opinion. I just think that um, the fact is, is anyone that's playing at that level has earned their right to be there. Mm-hmm. And I don't see um, the benefit of having your biggest tournaments be so uh, exclusive to where it's just, it doesn't feel, it feels like guys that have earned the right to be there aren't there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they haven't just earned the right to be there because they can go finish 40th. I honestly believe they can, those players can contend and win. And you've seen that, right? So right. Um, I wish that we had more of that. I, I don't know that we'll continue with these really small fields moving forward or not. Who knows, right? Like we'll see, I guess. Um, but I've said that since last year when they announced, uh, you know, that we'd be kind of trimming these fields from 
you know, 120 or 132 or 144 or 156 down to between 70, 80 players. Um, I just think that, you know, when you grow up and think of golf tournaments that are important, they've been relatively full fields with a cut, right? Like that's just, that's what traditional high level competitive golf has been at the professional level for as long, I think, as I can remember. Right. Obviously, there's some fields that have been smaller. We've had the WGCs and that. Um, you know, we've we've frankly seen those go away over the last ten years. Um, and I can tell you, when those decisions were made last year to cut those fields, we were kind of just just starting in these. At the time, they were called elevated events, and mm-hmm. I had played two of them. I'd played in Genesis last year, and I played in Phoenix Open, Waste Management Phoenix Open. <laughs> I thought they were the best two tournaments that I'd ever played, and they were the standard field size. They were still smaller because right. early in the year, but they were 132, I think, and maybe 110 or 120 at Genesis, right. kind of your standard invitational. And I thought they were amazing. And I was, because of that, I was particularly bummed. I was like, we're not, I don't feel like we're really seeing this through to see if, if these full, full field elevated events are doing what we hope they would do. Yeah. Um, and I think, frankly, I played in them all all pretty much all of them I probably all of them last year and i thought they were all all awesome events some of the best tournaments i've ever played in the fields were unbelievable uh, i think they made for great television um and i think that there is an element to the competition at that size um being better in my opinion um and to be fair i've only played in two of the signature events this year they were both one was a 70 and one was an 80 man field they were both great events don't get me wrong but i'm just saying purely from a competitive standpoint I think there's no doubt that playing, they don't have to be 156, but you know, a real golf tournament at a hundred and a hundred or 120 players cut to 65. Like we do every other week. I I just, I think that that makes that tournament from a competitive standpoint, more meaningful. And to pretend that those 30 or 40 guys that are not playing don't make a difference in the competition. I, I think I think it's wrong. Yeah. And I'm not saying everybody feels like that, but there are some some people I think that are just like, oh, well, those 30 guys don't have a chance anyways. I disagree with that. Yeah. Um, and I think because of what you said, you're seeing that the, the level play, and, and I'm not saying the fans want to see whoever that they don't know um, right. win. But the fact is you got to start somewhere, don't you? I mean, yeah. And, you know, I guess you could have said that about Scotty Scheffler the first couple times he had a chance to win four years ago, and then look what he's done now, right? So right. everybody starts there. like, and, and everybody, you know, I'm 28. I feel like I'm starting to finally start to play like myself again. Like, I think I could do some really good things. But I guess tomorrow, like, if I were to win a golf tournament, there would be a lot of people to say, who is that, right? But if I were to go win that golf tournament and then play great the next three years, you'd say, oh, this guy's right. amazing, right? So I guess the point being is you never know. And I think that allowing the opportunity for guys to play in the biggest tournaments against the best fields is a good thing for golf, is a good thing for the PGA Tour. I think it's a good thing for fans to watch and to see how your middle-of-the-road guy competes with one of the best players in the world at the end of a huge tournament, I think, is an awesome thing to watch. Yep. Right. And it feels like that that's been discounted a little bit. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I, it was just last year at Bay Hill, Kirk Kitayama won. Yeah, I don't right. think you'd be in the field this year, you know, given the, the field sizes. So 
that kind of yeah i don't know exactly but he'd probably be on the cusp and and look yeah. what he's done he's not just won that term he's played great golf since right he's an elite oh, yeah. player i've played with him for a long time and and to your point i don't know whether he would be in or out this year but if he didn't get that start and didn't win that tournament like that changes career changes life right so 100 um yeah. and frankly like it's made a great story for golf where people know who he is because of that. Right. So right. I just, I, I'm just an advocate for players getting an opportunity to play. Yeah. The way they, they always did against the best yeah. players. I mean, that's what I grew up, you know, you grew up trying to play the PGA tour to compete against the best players. And, and in the system right now with, with these limited fields and, and guys basically be able to play, you know, eight of those events rack up so many points playing the, three four majors that they're qualified for rack up so many points there it's just then you're kind of sprinkling in your more standard tour events well at the end of the day right like on a weekend and week out basis like you're not getting all of the best players mm -hmm. and you know we could talk about all kinds of different reasons that that's happening there's so many tournaments right like you can't play every week right um point being is there's tons of factors i'm just giving you my perspective on saying hey these are the biggest tournaments on the pga tour Let's make those the best competitions right. on the PGA Tour. That's all. That's my advocate. Yeah, I just yeah. want to advocate for that. And so, you know, there are probably some people that disagree. Um, I understand not trying to discount the star power like that is so important. The good news is they're going to be there. I'm right. just advocating for more of the tour players to have the opportunity to compete. That's all. Right. right. Well, I'm glad we chose the the long, thoughtful answer. But yeah, that was great. Well, yeah. that was very well done. Um, it, the the second part, Alex's question is, which course? Yeah, what are you gonna win? Yeah, we, wanna, we we don't want to miss out. We don't want to miss out. I, I would guess game. like Pebble. Or, I don't know if you play the the Safeway in Napa. I feel like that'd be a good fit for you, West Coast kid. On, you know, on those Poe greens. What what do you think? Where's number yeah. one? Um. I really like the Travelers. I can tell I you that you much. Had a I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite courses on tour. Uh, northeast grass types are kind of similar to what awesome. I grew up Pebble. in California. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oddly enough, I've played really well at Pebble. I can't say it's odd. I, I don't feel particularly comfortable there, but I've mm -hmm. I've had a lot of success there. So hey. it's funny how that works. There's other courses that I really like that I haven't played well yet, um, huh. and there's courses that I don't. I shouldn't say I don't like, but right. I don't feel comfortable at that I have performed well at. So golf's a really messed up game. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. Uh, well, we could talk to you for for hours about this stuff, but we'll let you go. Enjoy that uh, that off week, and yeah. uh, best of luck the rest of the season. A lot of great golf coming up on your schedule. So uh, all the best, man. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right, it's fun chat. We didn't even get to talk to him. I mean, obviously, everybody talks to him about that, you know, 2012 U.S. Open. But again, you know, when you're a 17-year-old kid leading the U.S. Open at one point, even if it's for a minute, it's pretty sick. But uh, oh, he's had an interesting career. Hey, I mean, look, his stats are on the up. He's obviously always been a great putter. He's figuring out the ball striking a little a little more. Um, and uh, he's become a lot more consistent. So yeah. We also didn't get to ask him about that Max Homa F-bomb that went viral. He was in that group. Oh, was he in that group? Yeah, he was in that group. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> which was uh, so loud. Uh, but I, I yeah. feel like he would have sort of shaken it off um, after, you know, he's, like I said, he, he's a smart kid, and as people just heard, and uh, he would have been like, yeah, whatever, we all have our moments, but it would have been right. fun to get his take. Right, exactly. 
Um, all right, should we talk some uh, Mexican Open? Which Bo's taking a week off. He played five weeks in a row. This seems to be like the week that a lot of guys are taking off. I mean, it makes sense. Um, not Tony Finau. He's a runner up here and a and the defending champ in the two years they've gone there, and he's a eight to one favorite. Uh, you know, some other names in there. I'm not gonna lie, it's not not a great field. Uh CP, Pat Patrick Rogers, 35 to 1. There you go. Oh, this might be the Davis Thompson week, guys. Is this the week we go back to him and, and keep riding? Have to. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I get I'm 35 to 1. It's That's crazy. low though. Yeah. This wow. Jake Nap Nap. This Jake Knapp already getting a 40 to 1. Is 40 to 1. Jake yeah. Knapp. Yeah. He's a bomber. He's a bomber. It's a bomber's. Parent. Didn't my guy, didn't my guy, wasn't Brandon Wu in the mix here? Two Twice. Weeks ago? Yeah, Twice. The last two years. 25 to 1. Interesting. Got a little wedge lesson from him a few months ago. Maybe I'll ride with Oh, uh... you did? Well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully the video. Is that we're part of out. fixing Chrissy? Yeah, we're rolling out all the patty stuff first. Oh, nice. Uh, so we'll get to – hopefully Brandon Wu wins, and then we can uh, capitalize with like a little – That would be amazing. Yeah. Wedge, yeah. wedge video. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Wu is co-runner-up with Finau and Kirk Kitayama to Rom in 2022. So, yeah. Just going to be in, in name-shouting mode now that I've won uh, – actually won a bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, you gotta be feeling great. But uh, wasn't he? Wasn't he here two year, two years ago? Fifty to back one, to back, top tens, easy here. golf course. You know, bomb it away up near the green and and get up and down for birdies. So I like that too. Yeah, our guy Andy Lack um, really did a good deep dive on the Mexico Open. Um, That's why he didn't come to the course over the weekend. I saw Brian yeah. Kersner who came out yeah. for a little AK. So met the outright king. Do you follow? I'm sure you follow him, Steve. Yep. yep. <laughs> Who's that? Who's that? He's uh he's a little vocal on Twitter. Um, <laughs> just a better, huge better. Um, the outright king. The outright king. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, uh, he probably has been blocked by Dan Rapport. Um, and then who else did I meet? A couple other Twitter dudes. And then, but Andy didn't come. And Kirshner was like, "Yeah, he's doing research for the Mexico Open." I'm like, "This fucking guy, man, dude, he like he's a, he's a crazy person." When I say deep dives, like it is so well researched. And you know, I don't know his prep whether or not he like does a script or anything like that. But I mean, it's really well done. It it almost sounds like you're listening to Bill Simmons break down a Mexico Open, like his delivery. But so anyway, people need to go listen to Andy's um, pod because he thinks he has a very good beat on who's going to do well here. So, you know, I'm entering a bunch of DFS contests, doing some outright bets. My first click on Monday was Stefan Yeager. Um, so I know he has a top finish here. And, you know, we know he's playing really well, contended earlier this year, bombs the ball. Um, Andy likes him too. Not as much as a couple of these other guys. He he thinks Taylor Pendrith is gonna win. Um oh. he's twenty five to oh, one. Oh man, I've bet so many times on that guy. And he, I haven't this year. He's twenty five to one. I mean But look at this field, it, it checks out. Uh, yeah. Twenty five to one. Yeah. I like Dietry a lot. Um so Andy's key to playing well, and I'm basically giving away his whole podcast now. So sorry, Andy, but go listen to the Inside Golf Pod. Um, you basically need to bomb it. You carry it long because the past pollen golf um, is sticky, so you're not going to like get a lot of rollout. Okay. And then your 
proximity numbers with long irons. There's something like 60% of approaches here are like 175 yards and out, which is a huge outlier from any other week. So wow, get long irons and driver and Pendrith is like cream of the crop, but right behind him is Davis Thompson. So I I, I have to bet him just because of our ongoing thing, but I I wish it wasn't 35, but okay. Interesting. That's that's 35. The one is tough. He opened at like 55 and people. So he's getting a lot of love. So, you can't miss out though on a Davis Thompson. Victory. Cannot. That is no. true. Simply cannot. Can't miss out. But when it's 35, then it's like, oh, I probably should bet at least 20 on it. And I'm burning 20 instead of 10. It's a whole thing. CP, you're flush though. I mean, you're just yeah, right. Steve, you win every week. So you're you're I haven't won a bet. I need to save it. I'm going to Vegas for opening weekend of March Madness for Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be electric. So I need I need to save some of this. And then I'm going to Myrtle in June for another bachelor party. So Um, but yeah, we'll have a couple bets this week for sure. Yeah, geez. Um, what about Charlie Hoffman? 70 to one. I know. Well, he's he's the best, by the way. Um you had some great questions a lot there were so many great answers that i saw from guys and then i would see the video and it was you asking the questions wow. so, shout Wait. out boots on the ground getting it done big j uh-huh. very very good job but yeah go ahead charlie hoffman was one of the guys you asked him about the yeah I, I asked him about the the ski trip but then you know we're working on this other story believe it or not me john huggin and, and dave shedlosky the uh, look at you the holy trinity of of uh, golf writing right Wait, there. What? What is this? Golf writers awards coming up. Yeah, here. Jesus. Um, Award season. So I had to talk to a couple of guys for this particular story, and Charlie came off the mic in the, in the media center, and I went up to him, and I mean, the man, like so chill, you know, detailed, thoughtful, um, and I and I had. I had spoken to him before a long time ago about believe it or not when he was making the president's cup team mm. uh, way back in 2017, I think I was at an event and I remember the same thing. So, and I know Todd spoke to him for the story he did on, on Sunday about signature events. San same Diego thing. Like, yeah, he's, he yeah, like, San Diego, yeah. He was like, man, he's the best. And I was like, yeah, he, he really is. So nice to see him kind of, uh, back in the mix. I know it was very unexpected for for people last week, but uh, I mean, I what, what won, a pro! Man. He's going to play in his 500th start soon on the wow. PG Tour. It's insane. That's a lot. He's been just grinding away for for a very long time. So respect to Chuck. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, all right. Anything else we need to talk about here? Uh, wow, generational Alex Smalley, sixty to one. <laughs> Tough. Tough scene. He he has some some good finishes on uh on coastal tracks on past column. Um, I was reading someone someone's tweet. I think Ben Coley um found a quote from Alex Smalley about <laughs> past column. That's very impressive to find. That's that. impressive deep diving. Yeah, <laughs> even Andy Lack would be impressed by that. Yeah. Wow. So that's crazy. That's not we got we got a shout out. Um, Nance, I thought that was amazing on Sunday with the with yeah. the Hidley stuff. Oh, oh, I killed. Yeah. It will let people know if, if, if who does. And we, you've talked about him. I mean, he definitely sees everything. He sees and reads and hears that the way he was talking about 
like yeah. he'll pick on somebody else. Like he saw the Matthew Pavon stuff at Farmers. Yep. Definitely saw the Wyndham Clark stuff at uh Pebble with the burrowing animal hole. Yeah. He sees all I wonder if I, I really wonder if he has a Twitter burner. That would be all time. <laughs> Oddly enough, anytime I tweet about him, I there is this late it's an egg. Her name's Cheryl. Um every Cheryl time. No, it's like I don't even know. I swear to God, when I tweeted about, remember, remember when he said when Dustin was teeing off, I think at LACC, and everyone thought he was shitting on Liv. He was like, "Oh, uh, he, he won last week." Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't I, I have been able to he, see it. Yeah, I forget what he said, but people thought he was like taking a shot at Liv. This woman, twenty replies, like Jim Nance is the goat. Don't she says the same thing every time? Jim Nance is the goat. Leave him alone. Even when I compliment him, like I said Sunday, I was like, this was great stuff from Nance. Two seconds later, Cheryl replies, Jim Nance is the GOAT. Don't talk about Jim Nance like that every single time. So Keep him out your mouth. I'm wondering if it's our boy, Jim Nance. You, I think <laughs> you discovered his burner. We've discovered Jim That's, Nance's burner. Somebody, a relative, somebody, because without fail, Jim Nance is the GOAT. Keep his name. When Andrew Catalan fills in for him, yeah. she's like... Andrew Catalan sucks. Get this guy <laughs> off my TV. I swear to God, I'll, I'll go dig all of these up and like take a screen record of them. It's remarkable. She's she's there every time or oh he, whoever it is. It's amazing. I just remember <clears throat> talking to him once about some event he was covering and he was like, yeah. And then I get back to the hotel and I watch, you know, I was watching coverage of the Singapore Open for a few <laughs> hours. Like the guy is sick. Like he's. <laughs> He like golf. He goes back to golf as his number one. So he he is aware of everything. And yeah, anything that somehow tweeted, someone will get back to him about it, even if he doesn't have a burner. Yeah, uh, or, or written about him, he or talked about him. He like hears it. So, but that's why he's so good. He's he's yeah. Like, hey. Um, but yeah, that's we gotta watch out for Cheryl then on, on Twitter. I gotta watch out for this outright kings on. on, on <laughs> you've you've yeah. seen seen him okay. before yeah i've probably seen if he gets into it with with rapper so. <laughs> um by the way how about rapper gonna get a chance at uh playing in his way crazy into a event? Oh, but how about that how about that whole thing? at myrtle beach I, uh, March I, 4th? yeah i talk I about that with... too the fucking cry babies oh my god yeah oh my god yeah the wesley brian getting all upset yeah we love those guys too we just had george we, we on the love, podcast love those guys and so to give people what happened greg Gottfried, our producer wrote a post about it and literally like the post is saying how like kind of cool it is and they get a chance to compete and these guys have all the and it, he even went down and like gave like a breakdown of all the people in the field and like what they've done like dan rappaport has two hundred fifty thousand combined subscribers <laughs> whatever like like he went and then at the end he throws in some line like all you need is to be able to like turn on a camera and like you could play on the tour or something. It wasn't even like Which that. is like accurate right now. Yeah. I thought it was like like a good line. Like it, yeah. it, it's all it takes now. You can just become an influencer. And if you're very good too. Yeah, you have to be right. You have to be someday you, like, you oh, could get an up and like these guys are crying about it. Like I've right. never seen before. Yeah. I, I again, we love the Brian bros and they tweeted from their main account. Like we know we won't be working with golf. It's like, Oh no. First of all, Oh no, we can't work. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but like I, I've never seen a reaction like this to like the most innocuous 
and factual line I, like yeah. ever written by the goat who conveniently didn't show up for the podcast. So. <laughs> That's true. He, he knew he was going to get put on the spot. Right. Uh, usually think, we could be knocking him, but we're actually singing his praises. Yeah. I think for the Bryan brothers, they saw the graphic and it was both of them. And then they uh-huh. carried that line and, you know, they're, they're the most successful ones who are playing in this thing, you know, at yeah, they, should, they shouldn't even be in it. Frankly, yeah, George, yeah. Is playing in it. George, George, yeah, Wesley's not, Perry. but George just played in a PGA tour. Event. Yeah. We're not referring to Wes Bryant. He's, he's won on the PGA tour, you know, yeah. in the last decade. Like he, right. He, that doesn't apply to him. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's poor Greg. So we we've all got so sensitive. the flack and the feedback from people, and you know it's tough when a, a bunch of people are hitting you up on the internet telling you you suck. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's nah. kind of a good you know respect to Greg too. I I you know yeah. you know any publicity. So I mean, you get the internet talking. Good job by and Greg. You, I mean, you've I don't know if you were always <laughs> like that, but now that's like. You love that. Obviously. Uh, Greg, you I don't think Greg that. has evolved to that point yet. Yeah. Maybe he will. Well, the other thing, Myers, like I'm sure you were the first fucking person to to write about the Brian Bros. Probably. Trick. Yes. Yeah. Probably. Like yeah. give them all the love and yeah. praise. And then they just fucking turn on you on a dime. And there was another dude, I'm not gonna say the name. I'm not gonna say how I found this out, but I don't think he's even playing in this event, but he's an influencer with a lot of followers. And it puts up on his Instagram story yesterday, like, this is so disgusting, like the way, like, just like the most insane things. And then I see this guy has been begging the Golf Digest main account to post his videos for like two years. Ah, there you go. And then yesterday he's like, Golf Digest, dying publication, like shitting on the Brian. It's like, they just turn on you on a Time. time once they get a little clout and a, and a couple followers after begging you after begging. You to publicize their their videos so yeah just an embarrassing oh. display from these guys who i wish all the best i think this event yeah. is a brilliant idea a rare a rare stroke it's, it's a great idea because yeah. whoever gets in is going to draw a lot of attention Correct. and have a built-in following already and look look at the attention it's already drawn right Exactly. It's a brilliant idea. So yeah. if they think we're shitting on it or like this, you know, right. jealous of it or it's stupid, like couldn't be further from the truth, but you got to just cry about something on social media. Right. So. Well, and it was just like, um, you know, Jim McLean a few weeks ago, who <laughs> we're trying to like honor him in a special way in terms of like teachers, yep. making him like a, a you know, emer- emeritus golf digest, like best teacher. And then he takes it the wrong way. And then, it's like one thing to take it the wrong way, like Wesley Bryan, like the Brian Bros did. But then it's another thing to go out of your way and say, I think Wesley Bryan said, or, or the Brian Bros said, diminishing uh, brand golf. We're like the and we're like the biggest brand on social right. media. And and McLean said something similar, like this is why, like yeah, it's going downhill or something. It's like it's one thing to say, okay, I don't agree with this one take, but then to say, oh yeah, the brand sucks when like the day before you didn't say right. that. It's <laughs> Let them talk. They've been. I've been hearing this my entire time I've worked here. Yes, true. They they've said, uh, you know, dying brand, dying brand. That dying true. brand is still number one. So somehow but, we keep the world keeps on spinning. Yeah. Keep on, keep on spinning. But and again, I quickly say, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, we love the we love the Brian Bros. We love this event. We're all in. There was one line. 
that I think was misinterpreted. That's all. All right, go ahead, Steve. No, so I got to play the Dunes Golf and Beach Club, which is where the PGA Tour event will be in Myrtle. So I'll oh, okay. Some, uh, I'll have some good uh, feedback and, and breakdown um, ahead nice. of that week. And I, I that day, that it, it, the day before it went viral, I played golf with the head of Play Golf Myrtle Beach. We had an extra spot. I invited him out. And, uh, you know, that's the reason why the post kind of happened. I emailed it out. And, you know, we're talking about how great of an idea it is. You know, yeah. Fat Perez, you know, I love Fat Perez. Danny, like, he's probably going to, you know, not do so well, but whatever. And then this comes out like so yeah. people only knew that like you know golf that's where it came from yeah, yeah we were talking in person about how great of an idea it is and then people that's take crazy. on it so i know how many of these guys also have we had on the podcast in the last like we, <laughs> we love these guys we're yeah. fans of all of them yeah yeah so by the way quick shout out because yeah. i just shit on danny's playing abilities but he and he played with willie wilcox in scottsdale that good good event and uh, yeah. the recap of it Danny kind of carried Willie Wilcox for the wow. first. Wow! I know they finished runner up. They made a bad bogey. They both missed like a four footer. It was a scramble. Um, oh! So they they could have tied to win that. But interesting. Quick. Uh, we play, I I played with them Wednesday Wednesday night at Danny's course. And uh, Willie. Look at you. <laughs> Willie snuck out for like the last six holes, and the first hole he he arrives. <laughs> We had like 145, and you know how I've not been hitting it well, but I am starting to come around uh, into the wind, kind of uphill. They're like, this is probably going to play 160. Now, normally, a couple months ago, I'd probably be hitting like a five hour situation. (laughs) And I took seven, and I didn't feel like going back to the cart. Again, this is still embarrassing. It's 145 yards, but no, but you're saying it's playing 160. Playing 160. um, Hit this phenomenal seven iron, and Willie was like, what's your handicap? I was like, ah, oh, it's a nine. He's like, I'm fucking lose a lot of money to you with that golf swing right now. I was like, yeah, you know what? That, that was a pretty quality strike. Yeah. Uh, four putted for, uh, for double. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. But yeah, watching, I mean, he, he stripes it. Danny casual one over on nine, the first nine we played. Yeah. Played a couple more, but, uh, I mean, yeah, he's Willie's Willie's as chill as they come. Yeah. Well, and I see Danny's been practicing too. So yeah, he went Monday. He went to drove to the desert. Like he was in the desert, yeah. For like a three hour lesson with this David Woods dude. He's a legend. Oh yeah, that's right. Jason Day's coach too. Yep. Wow. Taking it seriously. Yeah. See. Um. All right. Well. Good times. Good talk. Uh. Thank. uh, Of course, want to shout out our producer Greg Godfrey. He's not here, and we we already shouted him out too. But he'll he'll be listening to this later. He's uh, Yeah. <laughs> He's off listening to Taylor the Swift. Influencers are, the influencers are banging down his door. Yeah, witness protection <laughs> program for the goat. <laughs> uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thanks also again to Bo Hostler for joining us. Check back next week to see if Steve is out of the doghouse. Woo, see ya. Nice. All right.